Venerable Fulton Sheen once said, the best friends are those who know how to keep the same silences. Welcome to the 46th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because we should remember that we don't really need a bunch of words to help those who are suffering around us. Just being willing to sit next to them in the same silence can change everything. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, I received a DM asking, do you address overcoming imposter syndrome on any of your episodes? Well, I do now. Thanks for sending in the question. Imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. So imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. Thank you, hbr.org. It's all about feeling like a fraud, always doubting our accomplishments the good in us and deciding that who people think we are uh, and how people think of us is absolutely incorrect. Time Magazine covered and presented it this way. Have you ever felt like you don't belong, like your friends or colleagues are going to discover that you're a fraud and you don't actually deserve your job or accomplishments? The article goes on to say 70% of us experience these feelings and symptoms from time to time. So how do we get past them in our own lives? First, acknowledge it. And by this, I mean observe that the thought exists without engaging the thought and fighting back. Next, work on reframing our thoughts. Realize that having imposter syndrome symptoms doesn't make us any worse than someone else or mean that something bad is going to happen to us. And last, share with someone you trust what you're going through. Who knows? They may recognize that they have the same feelings from time to time, and just realizing that we're not alone can make all the difference. On to the next topic, Amy came by to say she was wondering if we could talk about how to make those big decisions such as changing jobs, moving, grad school. Uh, Amy gets so anxious about making the wrong choice that sometimes uh, she won't make a decision at all and then she'll regret it later. Boy, that's a whole bunch of us, right? Let's pray for Amy and all of us who experience this paralyzing anxiety that God may give us peace in the face of difficult decisions. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. First of all, you are absolutely not alone. This happens to so many of us, and just by talking about it, we can help each other realize that we're not alone, and that's a huge step forward. Next, let's take a look at HeySigmund.com for a little more information about this. It's so fascinating. So scientists at the University of Pittsburgh have discovered what happens when anxiety rules a heavy hand over a decision-making process and persuades decisions that aren't the best ones. Research published in the Journal of Neuroscience explains how anxiety works to dis engage the part of our brain that is dis- that is essential for making good decisions. The area is the prefrontal cortex at the front of the brain, and it's the area that brings flexibility into decision making. This part of the brain that, that gets involved in weighing up consequences, planning and processing thoughts in a logical, rational way, it helps to take the emotional steam out of a decision by calming the amygdala, the part of the brain that runs on instinct, impulse, and raw emotion, such as fear. So I think it's important 
important to remember when we experience anxiety in the face of having to make an important decision, our brain is literally less able to make a good decision, which of course feeds more anxiety and off we go down this difficult loop. Can we battle this? Of course. First, strengthen your brain against anxiety. Look up mindfulness exercises and practice the ones that seem like a good fit to you. Getting ourselves out uh, out of our head and into the present moment is a great first step. A next idea from that same website is to act as if. Try challenging the presence and influence of anxiety by acting as if there is nothing to be worried about. This might feel difficult, but the more you do it, the easier it'll become. Stay with the moment. Right now you're okay, and you'll keep being okay. Two more. Remember that just because there are choices doesn't mean there are good and bad choices, just that there are choices. If we stop assigning good versus bad values to them, it can help break down the anxiety. And finally, try to let your decision be guided by what you want or need in your life and not by what you're trying to avoid or protect yourself from. Remember, when it comes to anxiety, practicing when we're not feeling anxious, like using these skills when deciding something low anxiety, like what to have for breakfast, for example, is the key to being able to function as best as possible when we are feeling anxious. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm here to introduce you to Venerable Augustus Tolton. Born in 1854 to Peter Paul Tolton and his wife Martha Jane Chisley in Bush Creek, Missouri, Augustus Tolton and his family were enslaved by a white Catholic family. His father escaped to join the Union Army in the Civil War, and Augustus and his mother were baptized Catholic, and the very person who enslaved him became his godmother. Around eight years of age, Augustus and his mother escaped slavery together to Illinois. He attended an all-white Catholic school, and although he faced many adversities, he kept the love of God in his heart. When Tolton grew up and found his vocation, no seminary in the United States would accept a black man, and eventually he went to Rome to become a priest. He was ordained at the age of 31. Upon his return to the United States, he met a ton of opposition and racism. Tolton persevered, and according to his Wikipedia biography, his parish at St. Monica's grew from 30 parishioners to 600. Good Father Gus, as he was called by many, was known for his eloquent sermons, his beautiful singing voice, and his talent for playing the accordion, which is just so awesome. Augustus died in 1897, and his cause for canonization was opened in 2010. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. O oh God, we give you thanks for your servant and priest, Father Augustus Tolton, who labored uh, among us in times of contradiction, times that were both beautiful and paradoxical. His ministry helped lay foundation for a truly Catholic gathering in faith in our time. We stand in the shadow of his ministry. May his life continue to inspire us and imbue us with that confidence and hope that will forge a new evangelization for the church we love. Father in heaven, Father Tolton's suffering service sheds light upon Upon our sorrows. We see them through the prism of your son's passion and death. If it be your will, O God, glorify your servant, Father Tolton, by granting the favor I now request through his intercession that everyone listening to this podcast receive the love and peace of God into their hearts this very day, so that all may know the goodness of this priest whose memory looms large in the church he loved. Complete what you have begun in us that we might work for the fulfillment of your kingdom, not to us the glory, but glory to you, O 
follow God through Jesus Christ, your Son, and our Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are our God, living and reigning forever and ever. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Ashley gets us going. How do you show mercy to someone you don't really want to see or hear from? Someone who has traumatized you in the past and continually acts and speaks in ways that convey how little they care for you outside of manipulating you for personal gain. Let's all stop what we're doing and pray for Ashley and all of us who have suffered trauma at the hands of another individual and are now left with trying to figure out how to want the good for such a person. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Ashley, I want you to know this. Just the fact that you asked this question, how do I show mercy to someone who has traumatized me in the past, shows that God is working in your heart. It's amazing to me, and it's truly an incredible example of Christianity that you're trying to do this. It's just amazing. You're an inspiration. You need to know that. Okay, that being said, putting this desire to show mercy to someone like this into practice is super hard. Here's a little quote from Popular Science, oddly enough, that helps us put this whole thing into perspective a little bit. You can forgive someone and still know that you can't trust them. So I think there's an important concept about love and mercy in the Christian faith that we have to remember here. To love someone is to will their good. In the ultimate case, this means to hope for and want their soul to get to heaven. And this doesn't necessarily involve being in their life or uh, to forgive them in the popular sense of the world. By this, I, I mean like, yes, we should we should work toward forgiving them, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean giving them a hug and pretending like everything's okay and, and even having a conversation with them to tell them that we forgive them. Maybe that's not even safe, right? Just simply deciding that we're going to forgive them in the way Christ wants uh, and then hoping that one day they make it to heaven, even though we may not feel like we want them to make it to heaven, if that makes sense. So Ashley, take a moment to realize how beautiful and amazing it is that you have this desire to show them mercy. Recognize that God is doing amazing things in your heart. And then remember that forgiveness, Christian love, and forgiving and showing mercy doesn't ever mean allowing people to continue to hurt us. Hojo is up next. I'm a Catholic who is also in recovery. 12-step recovery work has strengthened my faith, and my faith has definitely enhanced my recovery. Uh, so, however, I find it hard to share these concepts in either setting. Those in recovery are, as a rule, more comfortable keeping their spirituality private. Uh, and also, since 12-step programs are by definition anonymous, it feels taboo to bring up that experience in my faith-sharing group. So this leaves me feeling unable to fully express myself in either setting. It's such a blessing to hear about you being in recovery, Hojo. Let's all pray for Hojo and everyone walking through the difficult but incredible journey of recovery that God may protect them. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
It's so cool that you feel inspired to share your 12-step journey in your faith group and your faith journey with your 12-step cohort, but I can totally understand the situation with both of those and how it can be difficult or feel unwelcome to do so. As someone who has to keep a lot of things I go through anonymous because of confidentiality rules, I've had to learn uh, ways to be able to share things I think would be beneficial to people without breaking the privacy of those I'm talking about, and I have found it really works well to speak in generalities. For example, sharing something you've picked up uh, in 12-step in a more general experiential way to those in your faith group. Uh, As an example, I say things like, you know, I found that people going through substance dependence treatment prefer to do X or things like that, right? So like replacing uh, replacing a specific person with a more general uh, idea of an individual. As far as sharing about the faith in 12-step, it seems we might have to hope someone will happen along the 12-step program who who, uh, wants to share faith as well, right? What a blessing that would be. I know certain groups prefer to keep spiritual stuff to the individual. And that can be hard when we feel called to share the faith. But perhaps sharing a little bit about the faith might open up some doors. Or perhaps we should all realize that most people we meet are more willing to talk about faith than we think they are. A lot of people are actually craving someone to talk about the faith with. And even a little tiny sharing, you know, even something like, oh, I went to Mass this weekend and it was nice. Just that can spark a deeper relationship where this becomes possible. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and give you the words and go with our prayers. Anonymous wraps us up. I've had depression off and on for a few decades with anxiety mixed in. About 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with PTSD as a result of happenings during the last years of my employment at a seminary I loved. All of it feels like it happened last month. I've sought counseling and have been on various meds, but I remain stuck in this. Others who went through their own similar crises at the time actually left the Catholic Church. I, on the other hand, clung to my Catholic faith more than ever, knowing I'd lose myself should I let go. I have clarity between these bad clergy in the church and the church herself. Others did not. They, however, have healed mentally, but I have not. There was some actual evil involved in what transpired back then. The seminary had moved temporarily during a major renovation to a former convent. This convent, it turned out, was infested. I learned after we moved in, I believe spiritually infested here, uh, in that one of our auxiliary bishops who worked in the building with us had blessed every room in this large building twice, the second time after the first hadn't been effective. Our archbishop knew about the building and had the seminary move there anyway. Is it possible I have not been relieved of my condition because the evil wasn't pleased that I stayed in the church? Or could it be because it is simply my cross to bear that I'm to continue to offer up this pain for another purpose? Please, everyone, let's stop what we're doing and lift up this anonymous person in prayer that the Blessed Mother may intercede for her divine son's peace and consolation to come to anonymous this very moment. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy toward us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. I'm so sorry that this experience came into your life and that you're having to walk through this difficult valley to this day. And please be assured of the prayers of everyone listening for peace, consolation, and God's grace to come into your heart to free you from all these troubles. 
straight to the question, is it possible you've not been relieved of your conditions because the evil wasn't pleased you stayed in the church? Yes, it's definitely possible. I don't know all the details of the situation, but if it involved evil spiritual activity, it could be that this force isn't pleased with you clutching to your faith. However, I would recommend finding a priest you trust and reaching out to them to explore your options in this situation. To the next question, could it be because it is simply my cross to bear that I'm to continue to offer this pain for another purpose? Okay, I want to be a bit careful with this question. So, do I believe that God permits certain things to happen to us that we experience as suffering and pain and that he will bring a good out of it that maybe we can't see from our limited vantage point? Yes, I absolutely believe that happens. But... Do I think that God permits a cross into our lives and that wants us to stay in the suffering, offering it up and accepting the cross he's handed us without reaching out for help, for guidance, or for healing? No. I think God wants us to find relief, comfort, peace, and to be free from suffering as much as possible. Suffering is a part of our human condition, and God turned suffering into something that has redemptive value through his death on the cross and all the suffering that led up to it. But he doesn't want you to just be in a constant state of suffering without consolation, without peace, without finding healing. So I would recommend looking into getting help for this trial you are facing, both by speaking with a spiritual director or priest or religious sister you trust to look into the, at the potential spiritual side of the situation and by looking into getting a therapist to help you sort through and find healing through the mental and emotional side of this situation. And please remember that we're all praying for you. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.